0: Psalm chapter 150, the very, very last Psalm in the book of Psalms says, praise the Lord. Can somebody say that with me? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. And then it ends how it started. Praise the Lord. Say it with me one more time, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I told you a couple weeks ago that there's three principal types of psalms. There's more than three, but the three main ones are uh, psalms of wisdom. I preached about that with Psalm chapter 1 two weeks ago. Then um, there's psalms of lament, which I preached on last Sunday. And I actually want to encourage you, for some reason you missed last Sunday, please Watch the message from last Sunday. Um, I don't normally say that every week. It's not a way to like go out and promote our YouTube videos of preachings or anything. No, no. But but I'm serious. If you weren't here, watch it because uh, it, it it gives a very clear theological stance where we are as people and and dealing with uh, depression and anxiety and all of that. And also, if you're going through that yourself or know somebody who is, the message will be a comfort to them. And uh, okay, we have some of our people, these ones that just got baptized. Can you give them a huge round of applause? They are walking in with us right, oh my gosh. And they're just walking right up to the front to me, but I'm fine with that. They want to be presented. Congratulations, young ladies. Well done, give me a high five. We're so proud of you. Oh my gosh, amazing, well done. Are you all dry now? No? On your way. All right. Well, that's good. You can go back with daddy. It's all good. <laughs> oh, man. Congratulations to all that God baptized right now. We are so proud of all of you. What, a, what an amazing day. An amazing day. Um, so um, the the message from last week, if there are people that you know that are also dealing with Depression or anxiety will be um, a good message for them to hear and will, uh, I believe, be a blessing to them. God has done some amazing things. We Just last week, as that message was preached, we had a lot of people that were set free, miraculously set free from depression, anxiety, despair in their lives, and God did a miraculous work. So the third type of psalm, is what we're talking about today, and it's a psalm of praise, a psalm of praise. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start out in Psalm 95. Psalm 95 is where we're gonna spend most of our time today, and um, a great, great psalm. And uh, just real quick, since we had some people baptized, if you are in the room, and my wife will mention it again at the end of service, but if you're in the room, and you want to be baptized today, to take that step of obedience as you relate to the death of Christ as you go down into the water, and then as you come out of the water, you are relating to the resurrection of Christ. Um, This step of obedience, of following Christ, if you wanna take that, you can do that um, today still, and uh, we'll give you more details right at the end of the service and it'll be just a few minutes after we finish our service that you'll be able to get baptized as well, okay? So uh, we'll give you the instructions later, but you can still get baptized today. Psalm chapter 95 starts like this. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. My wife started the preaching at the beginning of this service. She read this verse right when we started the service. And then it goes on to say this, let us come to him with thanksgiving, let us sing psalms of praise. Somebody say that phrase with me, psalms of praise. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. What's really interesting about the word praise here is that the word praise actually means something a little bit different. And it can be translated as praise without any problems, but what the word actually means is to shout. That's what it literally means. It means to shout. And actually with it, it's kind of like when an army, you know, it gets together and they're about to rush and go fight the enemy. And it's literally, in part of this definition, it's the idea of the war cry where all of them just, you know, have this loud Shout as loud as they possibly can as they charge towards the enemy. And so God makes it clear to us that this is not just psalms of praise, but psalms of shouts. Shouts that are given to the God to, to, to God in our lives. And and I, I think it is so important. You, you guys, if you've been around for a while, you, you've heard me say this. How important I believe it is. To break the barriers in your own life and being willing to shout to God, and, and there's some people that are like, "Yeah, but it's not my personality. I'm a really quiet person." Okay, fine. You're allowed to be quiet with everybody else, but sometimes you got to shout. Sometimes you got to shout. I'm not saying it has to be like five times a day, but sometimes you got to shout. And uh, and so we're gonna shout. Are you guys ready? I mean, I mean, he tells us to do it, so. I just figured we'd obey, right? We've been singing about obeying. My wife prayed about obeying. People got baptized, which is obedience. So I figure it's a good day to obey, yeah? Um, And we're just gonna shout this phrase, simple phrase, God is good, okay, those three words, God is good. That's all we're gonna shout, but I want you to give it your all when we shout this. Are you guys ready? All right, God is good on the count of three. One, two, three. God is good! Amen! Did that feel good? See, it works, it works. You break that barrier in your life. Is it good to be silent before the Lord? Absolutely, but it's also good to shout. Both are good. And so shout to the Lord. Why? For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. I want everybody to read that verse with me. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. So the reason we shout is because he's a great God. We shout because he's a great king above all gods. And as I was reading three, uh, verse three, um, preparing for the message, let me just tell you something. The different things randomly stand out to me. I, I, I don't necessarily know why except for it's got to be the holy spirit um but but as i study and look at things and and there's not always a reason why but just things stand out And, and the second part the second phrase here a great king above all gods stood out to me it really stood out to me and so i well what i did is i i took that phrase and i started looking to see if that phrase the whole phrase as it's written exists in the rest of the bible And there might be some better uh, Bible study people in here that could find it. But for the life of me, I could not find that phrase anywhere else in the entire Old Testament except for Psalm 95, verse 3, for uh, the, the phrase, a great king above all gods. Read that phrase one more time with me, everybody. A great king above all gods. And so I couldn't find that anywhere else, anywhere else at all. The closest that we get to it is actually in the New Testament when Jesus says a phrase like, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Um, Some people say, seek the kingdom, you know, first, but but seek the kingdom, the kingdom above all else. You have the kingdom above all else, and in verse 3 here, we have a great king above all God's. Now, the word gods here is the word Elohim. And the word Elohim in the Old Testament is used sometimes in reference to God himself. This is actually what we as Christians believe is one of the strongest proofs of the Trinity in Scripture, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And while we can teach on this and talk about it, let me just make clear, how we and we sing about this, that God is three in one, right? And, and and we affirm this as our belief. And and some go, wait a minute, but you believe in three gods. And the answer is no, 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 we don't. We believe in one God, but he is as three persons. And um, and and if you're like, well, I don't understand it, let, let me just be very clear. There is not a theologian on the planet that fully understands it. We believe the Bible teaches it, and we will fully understand it when we're home with Jesus. But The word Elohim is a plural word for gods, and so it's used as a reference to God in the plural form in the Old Testament, but it is also used in the Old Testament as a reference to other gods, gods of other nations, okay? So what we have here is a great king above all Elohim, all the other gods of all the other nations. Now, does anybody like Marvel movies? A few, a few, all right rest of you just don't get out or something. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, messing, I'm messing. Pastor offended me today. Um, I love Marvel movies. I, I, I enjoy them. And, uh, and it's absolutely biblical for us to do what we can to take care of the earth. I mean, that is absolutely true and biblical. And, and so we do that to the best of our abilities. But well, what's really interesting to me is that as I listen to some people talk about it, They'll say things like, and I've heard this now in my life for the past 20, 30 years, the earth will end in 10 years. And I heard that like 20 years ago, and I'm going, hello, we're still here. You know, the earth is going to end unless we do this or unless we do the other. And this message is not about that, but I want to make something really clear for us as believers. The earth is not going to end everything is going to be okay because we have a great king who is above all. And and it's so easy to get worried and to be concerned and to be stressed out because of things that are outside of our control and people talk like this. And, And let me just make clear that our God who made the sea and the earth and the mountains and everything else, he sustains it with his hands. Our God is not walking away. In fact, scripture tells us that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Some people, some theologians believe that will be this earth renewed. Others tend to think that it might be like another earth somehow somewhere else. Um, I, I tend to lean more towards the this earth will be renewed. But let me make it even more clear. If God, for some reason, wanted to take out this one and build a new one, well, he's God, he can do it. I'm not worried about it either way. He's got, as we sang as kids, as I grew up, he's got the whole world in his hands. And he really does. But the reason why this is important for us is to also understand. And you know what, when I go to the beach a lot of times, I I decide to have a fight with the ocean. Have You ever done this before? And I'll, I'll stand in the water, and I'm like, I'm going to beat up the waves. I know some of you have done this. And you're like right there, and you like punch the waves. And you know what the thing is? The waves always win. It's the craziest thing. I can never stop them. I can never hold them back. There's nothing I can do. And when I think about the ocean and the seas, and I think about the mountains and the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and the planets, and all that God has created. They are so much bigger than we are, and it helps us to understand, and let me be clear, all of us as humans are God's top creation. That is clear biblically. We have the greatest value in all of his creation, but listen, when I see the big things, it reminds me about how small I am, but how big God is. It's a reminder of his greatness, how good he is. And it says this in verse 5 right at the beginning, the sea belongs to him. Belongs to him. And and, and this part of the verse just kind of leads me to the idea that is true throughout all of the Scripture that everything everywhere belongs to God. Everything, everywhere belongs to God. And that includes each and every one of us. We all belong to him. And if you need proof for it, we go to verse 6. Because watch what he says in verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. We are the people he watches over, or as the song worship song says, the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. We belong to Jesus. Could you tell somebody you belong to Jesus? And this is absolutely important for us to understand the idea of worship. The idea of worship is that we belong to him. And he says this right at the second part of verse six, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. That word kneel in the Hebrew is the word barak. Barak. And that word barak in the Hebrew literally means to bless. And you're going, wait a minute, but it says to kneel, not to bless. It. That word is a word that's used, Barak, many times in the Old Testament and is very specifically used when a father would bless his firstborn son, giving him the inheritance when the father was about to die. And um, in, in, in many cases, what would happen and what's included in the word Barak is that the father would actually get on his knees and bless his child. Or might even, in some cases, place his child on his knees in order to bless his child, depending on the child. I'm sure if the kid was, you know, 25 years old and weighed 300 pounds, I don't know that he'd be doing that, you know, but... And, um, and so he blesses by kneeling and giving an inheritance at the point of death. This is important. Barak. Everybody say the word. Barak. Now this is important because the reality is, is that God baraks us. Because you and I have received an inheritance from God. We receive blessing from God. How many have been blessed by God in your life? Barack, God has blessed you. But it's a specific type of blessing. It's in most cases a transference of an inheritance at the point of death. And is it true, my friends, that Jesus died on the cross and because of his death on the cross, we as his sons and daughters have access to an inheritance? God baracks his children, he gives an inheritance to his children due to his death on the cross. Oh, how good God is. How good God is. But then in this psalm, we are being invited as his people to Barack the Lord. To bless the Lord. How do we bless the Lord? We bless the Lord the same way coming to the Lord and saying, God, I die to myself and I give all of myself to you. All that I am, all that I have is yours. That is worship done the Barak type of way. And if you Actually, pay attention to this here. What, what, what you see is it begins in verse 1 with singing and shouting. But it not quite ends yet, but it ends one section with Barak. That's the last idea of worship that is given in this psalm is in verse 6 when it says, let us kneel, let us Barak. So it begins with singing and shouting but it ends with God owning our very lives with us giving everything to him with us saying God I belong to you my life is yours it moves from singing to action in our lives and let me tell you I love the singing I love to worship together I love to sing together and we do it every Sunday and that is important and if you could imagine your life, even on a weekly basis, imagine it this way, that you would come and gather with God's people on Sunday morning and do verse one, singing and shouting to the Lord. But then the rest of the week would be lived out in Barak to the Lord, as you give all of yourself to God, because he is worthy of it all. That would be a picture of. Of a life that is given over to worshiping the Lord on a regular and consistent basis. I want to pause here for a moment and talk again about the goodness of God. I'm going to go to Psalm chapter 136. Psalm 136, and um, Psalm 136 is really interesting. I uh, live, you know, a lot of my life studying the Word of God and. Um, Studying, you know, people that write about the word of God and, and a bunch of different things. And um, in, in, in the world of worship and theology, there, there's some people that actually uh, think that a lot of the modern songs, modern worship songs, that there's a lot of uh, repetition in some of the songs. A lot of repetition. And they go, repetition, that, that's not good. That, that's not, thank you, Jaime, very much. Um, that, that's not good. All this repetition, that's like a that, that, that's too simple for a worship song. A worship song needs a lot more than than just repetition. And um, when people say that, I like to point out Psalm chapter 136. Because Psalm 136, well we're going to put it on the screen it goes something like this. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then it says his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. And then it says, his faithful love endures forever. Is anybody noticing any repetition here? And it goes throughout the entire psalm. And and what would happen with the people of Israel with the psalm like this is that one person would get up. And they would say the first line and then everybody would repeat the second line, which is the same line, which is his faithful love endures forever. Everybody say that line with me right now. His faithful love endures forever. Very good. And so what would happen, there would be like a call and a response with the congregation. And we're going to act like the people of Israel for a few minutes. Is that okay with everybody? All right. And so I'm going to say the first line and then you're going to repeat the his faithful love endures forever. So let's go to verse 3 and let's do this. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. There we go. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. The sun to rule the day. And the moon and stars to rule the night. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. And, and, and so right here, the, 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 the psalmist begins moving it and making it even more personal. He starts with all of creation, but now he brings it down to the people of Israel and how they were rescued from Egypt. And he goes on to the, the, this next phrase in verse 11. He brought Israel out of Egypt. And you say, he acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. He led Israel safely through, but he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. Give thanks to him who gave his life on the cross for us. Give thanks to the one who rose from the dead. Give thanks to the one who heals all our diseases. Give thanks to the one who provides for all our needs. Give thanks to the one who gives us air to breathe. Is anybody grateful for the great God that we have and all that he has done in our lives? Normally don't do this, but um, last year I wrote a song and um, it's a really simple song, not a complicated one. And it was just a A simple song about the goodness of God and the great things he does for us and um, the desire to just simply worship him. And it goes like this. Lord, you are so wonderful to me So pure and holy Lord, you are. Lord, you are so faithful and so true. Lord, there's none like you. Lord, you are. Why don't you sing that with me? Lord, you are so wonderful to me. So pure and holy Lord you are Sing it again Lord you are so faithful so faithful and so true Lord there's none like you Lord you are the Chorus goes like this Do hold I find in you, my God, your presence, Lord, is marvelous. It overwhelms my soul. Let's sing it, all holiness. I find in you, my God, your presence, your presence, Lord, is marvelous. It overwhelms my soul. Lord, you are, Lord, you are so wonderful to me. So pure and holy, Lord, you are, yes, Lord, you are, so faithful and so true, yes, Lord, there's none like you, Lord, you are. Find in you, my God. Oh, your presence, Lord, is marvelous. Yes, it overwhelms my soul. Your presence, your presence. we are so grateful and so thankful for your presence and your goodness to us. Lord, this life throws at us the most difficult things and the craziest things, but you, you continue being good. You are good in every season of our lives. In the good times and the bad times, you remain good. And we worship you for who you are. And we worship you for all you do. How many can say amen to that? Psalm 95 finishes in a bit of a different way. The second part of verse 7 says the following. It says, if only you would listen to his voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massah in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years I was angry with them, and I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. I want everybody to read this. What does it say? They will never enter my place of rest. What is the last word there? Rest. I know some of you are going, wait a minute, I'm so disappointed. This was so good on the worship part. I and mean, then it just got like really negative. What's going on? And I want you to understand this. The psalmist is making something very clear here in this psalm about worship, because if you remember, once again, it starts with singing and shouting, but it ends with Barak. It ends with giving myself wholly and completely to the Lord. And then what he does is he gives an example, a big example, of when the people of Israel, while they knew how to sing and shout, they weren't willing to do Barak. And when the Lord said, I have the promised land for you, they're like, eh, there's giants. We're better off out here in the desert. They weren't willing to obey. They weren't willing to exercise Barak, to bless the Lord with giving themselves wholly to him. And, and, And what impacts me about this is the very last word that all of you just said, the word rest because it's actually the concept of rest is repeated in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, Paul talks about this. And he says that there are people that have entered into their rest, talking about their eternal rest, the heavenly rest. But then he says, but you, if you obey, will also, everybody say the word obey. If you obey, you will also enter that same rest. But. But when he talks about obeying to enter rest, he's not talking about heaven there because the requirement for heaven is not obedience. It is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and our faith in that and his grace that has accomplished it for us. Can anybody say amen? It is not my works and obedience that gets me heaven. It's what Jesus did on the cross that gets me heaven. So what rest is he talking about? I'll tell you. He's not talking about the heavenly rest, although all of us will have that one day. But he's also talking about rest here. Because the promised land was not the eternal rest of the people of Israel. It was the earthly rest that they were going to experience. And it's symbolic of the eternal rest, absolutely, 100%. But it is also possible for God to give rest while we're here on earth. Does anybody believe it? I was at a meeting with pastors yesterday, and pastor comes up to me and he says, "Jeff, you look good." I'm like, "I know. My muscles have grown twice in size. I've been working out every day for three hours." And uh, not what I said. He said, "Jeff, you look good. I see it on your face. You're at peace." And I said, "That's really interesting. It's true. It's true." And I was so actually grateful that somebody noticed that. I was like, that's awesome. Um, I said, and what's crazy is I'm busier than ever before, but I am at more peace than I've ever been before. Because, well, Psalm 95 actually shows it to us. And Paul repeats the concept when he says, obedience leads you to enter God's rest. You begin in verse 1 with singing and shouting, but then you get to verse six with Barak. Worship that is the blessing to the Lord by giving our lives to Him. And then Barak leads to rest. The end result, not the end goal, the end goal of my worship is God, but the end result of our worship is rest. Dressed. And so the more you Barak, the more you will live in the heavenly rest of Jesus right here on earth. So can we become a people who Barak, who bless the Lord by saying, God, I died to myself. And with death is an inheritance. All that I have, God, is yours. I belong to you. Let's stand up and let's pray. Jesus, today we are so grateful and thankful to you for you have been so good to us. And God, we truly do desire to become a people who worship, Now have not just the, the form of worship, but the function of worship, the heart of worship, to be a people that truly, truly walk, living out our worship towards you and all that we do. Jesus, this isn't about works and it isn't about our attempts at perfection. It's about an inclination or direction of our hearts that says, God, we belong to you and all we have is yours and so do with us what you desire. This, God, is our worship. And Jesus, I pray that you would develop in each and every one of our hearts a heart for Barack. A heart that dies to ourselves and gives all of us to you. If you're here today and with all eyes closed for just a moment and you recognize your great need for Jesus. Maybe you've never said yes to him before and today is your day to say yes to Jesus. The one who gave his life on the cross for you, who sacrificed himself for you, took your place so that way you might be free today. So that way you might have life and life eternal. Or maybe you know Jesus but you realize that you have a need to move into Barack in your life that you have a need to step into fully giving yourself to God, that you've been given a portion, a little bit, but not all of it. And today is your day to say yes. I take a stand and I say, God, all of mine is yours. If that's you in either one of those two categories, would you just raise up a hand right now? I just wanna bless you, that's all I wanna do. Lord God, I bless every person that is raising their hand right now, and may you do a great and mighty work in them the good God that you are. May you lead them into your goodness, lead them into your life, lead them into your peace, help them to experience all that you have to offer to them. Today is their day for some of them of salvation and for others, it's their day of giving all of themselves, of surrender to you. And so Lord Jesus, bless them for it and allow them today to enter into your abundant and good rest. May they live in your rest and experience the goodness of God every day of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give an applause to the Lord right now. Let's declare this together.